Have you ever wondered what questions to ask your financial advisor or why those questions are crucial? In today's episode, we're tackling exactly that. We're discussing the vital questions that bring transparency and depth to your financial advisory relationship. It's about getting clarity on how advisors work, what they specialize in, and how they align with your financial goals. These are the questions you must ask your financial advisor. A successful retirement plan begins with assembling the right set of tools. Finding the proper ones for the job will allow you to drill down on your goals and nail down your future. Scott Searles, certified wealth strategist and owner of Skybox Financial Group, constructs retirement plans for clients every day and will share that knowledge and insight with you. It's time to open the retirement toolbox and get to work. Hey, welcome to another edition of the Retirement Toolbox. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Scott Searles of Skybox Financial Group, financial advisor and president of the team there, serving the greater Cleveland area and beyond with more than 20 years of financial planning experience. Scott, should be a fun show today as we get to kind of, we're not really interviewing you, we're talking more about like why these are important questions to ask, but maybe you drop in a few nuggets about how you would answer these questions as well, just in case somebody came in to meet with you. A little bit of both flavors, I think, will be fun on the show today. Uh, Hopefully your January is treating you well so far. Yes, yes, absolutely. Off to a great start this year. And uh, you know what? At this time of the year, living in Northeast Ohio, I'm done with winter. So we get it. It's like, okay, we had about a month of it. We're done now, right? Yeah, we're done. We're done. I can move on to spring now, but we still got another probably month and a half, two months to go before we get there. Nice. That's great. Well, um, I hope that uh, it will be an early spring for you then, and and maybe that'll get you get you something to be excited about. Just a warm day here or there, just to just to just to get a break from the cold is really all you need, isn't it? Just you know, mm-hmm. every once in a while, have that warm up into the fifties, and then say, "All right, that's that was good. That was a nice break." That's right. That's right. <laughs> just to break break you break the monotony a little bit, right? That's right. Well, very cool. Let's dive into our conversation today. We've got, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight is our magic number today. Questions to ask your financial advisor. Scott will reveal the why. Why is this an important question to ask? Let's start with what sounds like a really tough question, a very direct question to ask an advisor, Scott, and that would be, how do you get paid? Um, Why is that okay for people to ask, and what should it reveal? Well, you know what? You know, it's just like any other service that you get. You know, you need to know how much you're paying for it, and then you need the way. You know, are, is it is it are the benefits going to be worth what I'm paying for it? Just like buying anything else, and, and but working with a financial advisor, our industry, you know, there I wouldn't say smoke and mirrors, but there's a lot of complications sometimes on how advisors get compensated for what they're doing, and you know, fee only is is one way where. Okay, you're just paying you know, a fee based on your assets under management. So if you have a million dollars and they're charging 1%, you're paying $10,000 a year. Um, and then the whole idea being is that as the account grows and you do better, your advisor does better. So it puts you on the same side of the table. There's also commission-based. A lot of the times these are going to be you know, insurance-based advisors too, whether you get an annuity you you know they say you don't pay anything for it but the reality is it's kind of baked into that product 
And then there are, you know, the advisor's going to get a commission. Most of the time, that commission's going to be up front. And then you have to ask yourself, well, if he already got paid up front, how much attention is he going to pay for to me seven years from now? Just things to think about. The way that we operate is we are uh, fee-based, so we, so we put ourselves on the same side of the table so that when our clients do better, we do better. Unfortunately, we, you know, on some of the insurance products, we also have a commission associated with those because, you know, if I put a client into a life insurance policy in order to help protect their family from any unfortunate disasters that happen down the road, those are still commission-based products. That industry hasn't quite come around to be the only, you know, to, to work on the fee arrangement quite as well as as the registered investment advisory side but so it's important you need to understand how they're getting paid ask them really i think a good advisor is just going to tell you how they get paid and then you can make that determination on whether the benefits are worth the cost all of that makes a ton of sense and appreciate that perspective scott so our next question you must ask your financial advisor what does your typical client look like is it important for somebody to, uh, to, to, to kind of look like other clients? I think it is. I think this is a very important question to ask. Um, because l let's think of this example. Let's say you have a, a financial advisor that works and does a lot of college planning, working with younger families, and you're a small business owner, and you've got complications, buy-sell agreements, all these different types of things. That advisor is not necessarily going to know all those details of working with a business owner because most of the day they're working with college planning and they're working with younger clients. What we do here is our niche is we're, we're working with clients that are pre-retirees and retirees that want to minimize their lifetime tax liability. That's what we work with and those are the types of clients we work with. I will have people come into my office that are you know, that, that want to do, you know, work for, for saving for maybe they're younger and they're saving for educations and things like that. I have other advisors I refer them to that work in that area. So I think it's important to ask what type of clients they work with and what their typical client usually is. You know, it's not necessarily the first thing you may think, of, well, I've got $10 million and his average client is only, you know, 300,000. Well, you know, that, that, you know, there is a little bit to be said with that, but I think the most important thing is what areas do they work in and what specialties and techniques, you know, are they used to applying to client situations? Great points for that one, Scott. So how do you get paid? How does your typical client look like or what do they look like? Here's a third question you can ask your advisor. What's your investment philosophy? What are we looking to be revealed here? Yeah, you need to understand once you are on board with that advisor, what they're going to do with your money and why they're doing it. Most importantly, why? Because this could be a guy that he's, you know, just picking stocks and he's buying all these high tech stocks, buying and selling, buying and selling all day long. And you, know, you may be a 70 year old retiree that's just looking to, uh, you know, not necessarily get rich, just make sure you don't lose your money. So you have to understand what their philosophy is, how they plan on investing that money, and how it's going to benefit you. And does it fit with what your 
personality is, what your risk tolerance is, and what your goals are. And you know, a lot of good financial advisors will have several different tools they can pull out of their toolkit so that they can com combine some different investment strategies and, and, and different investment philosophies towards what that client's needs going to be. Good points on that one as well, Scott. All right, so let's talk about maybe an extension of that investment philosophy could curtail into a broader conversation about having a particular strength or specialty um, as part of who you are and, and your business. Um, so that would be another good question to ask folks to your advisor. Do you have one of those particular strengths or specialties? Yeah, and that kind of also leads back with what their typical client's going to look like, right, Walter? Because you know, they're, they're going to usually mirror each other. So if, if someone works with, you know, on with retirees and doing retirement income planning, or if they're working on, you know, maybe they work with mostly, you know, divorcees, or they mo work mostly with women, and they know what those people, you know, what those groups specific needs are. That's something that you're going to want to know. It doesn't mean that just because this person works with retirees, if you own a small business and you're retiring, it doesn't mean that they're not going to work together, but you need to understand what their strengths are and what they specialize in, you know, because not everybody's going to be great at everything. So you want somebody that focuses on what you want and what you do and can align what their specialty is with your goals. Great point. All right. So as we move on from there, let's talk a little bit more about the relationship side of it. How much contact do you have with your clients would be a great question to ask your advisor, and we'll, we'll squeeze two into this one. How often should we meet in person versus maybe just casual conversations on the phone? So I guess just generally, we need to make sure we're setting good expectations for communication. Yeah. And you know what? This is a biggie, but unfortunately, sometimes you know, some advisor may say something and then not necessarily follow through on it. But it is it is important to at least have that expectation of how often they're going to meet with you. And then, you know, what dictates us having a meeting or just having a phone call? So, for instance, in our office, we meet with our clients twice a year, once in the spring and once in the fall. We do our tax planning in the fall. And, you know, in the meantime, most of our conversations are going to be over the phone. If, for instance, if something pops up, someone passes away or, you know, you win the lotto or whatever, you know, we'll, we'll get you in. Uh, but, you know, most of the time we have set up that structure so that, you know, we're meeting with them twice a year and then all the other stuff, you know, is usually something that's rather easy we can just deal with on the phone to make sure that, the client's still on track with their goals. But if something changes, someone loses a job or, you know, then, you know, then we have a meeting. But the other thing too is taking a look at how often are you going to hear from them? You know, how, you know, do they reach out on the phone or when are they going to give you a call? Do you get regular email communications? Are you kept up to date what's going on with your account? Or are you going to have to reach out to them to find out what's going on? Those are all important things to ask when you're talking about the communication and meeting aspect of an advisor. Okay, very good. We've got a few other questions you can ask your financial advisor that are really helpful to uh, drilling down into the importance of uh, the relationship and making sure that you're working with someone who's the right fit for you. And this would be another good question to ask is, do you provide educational resources? Why would that be important for an advisor to provide? 
well, you know, because like if you meet with your advisor once or twice a year, it's good to have other things that can help educate you throughout the year. Like for instance, this podcast, I had a client that came in yesterday into my office and he, he said, Hey, you know, every time you have that podcast coming out, I listen to it. I love it. It's great. And I send it to all my friends. He learns something every time he listens to the podcast videos that that the the that the advisors produce that you can get out there as well as you know maybe some client events where you're going to go over things you know talk about the markets things like that you need to know what type of resources that they provide so that that you can be kept up to date and educated and i always say i want my clients to be smarter than the average advisor so I want my clients to understand these things. I want them to know these things so that because they make better clients and they feel more comfortable making decisions. You'll feel more comfortable making decisions if you're educated on the reason why you're doing something. Oh, and I like that a lot as, in terms of your philosophy and, and how you educate clients along the way. Um, mm -hmm. Super valuable for a lot of people, I would imagine, to have that kind of resource because you're not going to get it everywhere you go. No. So make sure you work and with it, an advisor who, who values that. And if you hop on Google, you'll get 800 wrong answers. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, so you, getting the information, someone you trust that knows what they're, they're, they're talking about is valuable. So yep. you want that advisor to be able to provide those things for you. Another question to ask your advisor that will be revealing is what happens if there's an emergency with my finances and you're unavailable? If you're on vacation, what happens? Yeah. I mean, how that advisor has their practice set up or their firm set up and, and there needs to be somebody that you can talk to in case you need to get money or in case something happens or in case you have an urgent question that you need to have answered, you know, they need to have something set up in place. I know with us, you call during normal business hours, you know, that, that you're going to be routed you know, to someone that's going to be able to take care of you right away. If you email, we have a client only email address. So our clients that when they have a question, they email that everybody in the firm gets that email. So it's not just me. So if I'm not available, I'm in a meeting, someone else will see that email, we'll be able to get right back to you. So it's things like that, that you want to know what their, what their procedures are. If indeed they need to get in touch with you uh, and you're not available in an emergency. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, last but not least, final question that you must ask your financial advisor, our eighth one. Will I be working with you, someone on your team, or both? Sort of an extension of that emergency question, but this is when it comes down to like the true planning. Right, right, absolutely. And this is a biggie because what eventually happens is, is I think some advisors, they, they start to, you know, they'll have other people, other maybe junior advisors, and sometimes you'll meet with that, that head advisor, and then you never hear from them again. You're meeting with the junior advisor. And that, that may be totally fine, not saying that that junior advisor is not capable of taking care of you, but you needed to know that ahead of time. You, you need to know what those expectations are. I had a client that just came in here the other day, it was a new client that that joined our firm, became part of our family. And one of the things that he mentioned, his previous advisor had started to wean himself out of the business and he was working with someone new and he was not happy with that person. So you need to know who the person is you're going to be dealing with all the time because that's who you're going to build that relationship with. 
really like your point on that because that is important, Scott. You're right. Sometimes there's bigger teams or maybe it's somebody doing marketing uh, or like you hosting a podcast. But if you had a big team, it's possible somebody could hear the podcast, quote unquote, fall in love with you, Scott, right? And want to want to work Who with wouldn't? you. But perhaps your business is set up that, well, I'd, I'm more of just the figurehead of, of I'm, I'm doing the presenting. But here, these are the people that will actually be working on your plan. And there's certainly right. there's nothing wrong with that structure, but it would definitely be good to know that that's the expectation and that's how it's going to happen um, yes so just a lot of this comes down to expectations doesn't it yeah yeah it's just setting and 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 really a good advisor should be laying all this out ahead of time for you so that you understand so you know these things you know sometimes you're going to have to ask these questions and get these res- get these answers but i think it's important to know you know before you commit to you know, a relationship. I tell people that come into my office, you know, when I'm first meeting with them, I tell them that I understand that this is going to be one of the biggest decisions you make in your life. You've worked your whole life. You've accumulated, you saved all this money. And I, you know, am not going to sit here in this office and tell you, you got to make a decision today mm-hmm. because, you know, this is your whole life, but, you know, you need to make sure you thoroughly vet Get an idea of what their process is going to be by asking these questions. You do bring up a great point, though, that if you're asking all eight of these questions to your advisor, it wasn't covered proactively to begin with. That could be its own sign, right, That uh, exactly. about, about the relationship and the transparency and the level of education that's going to go into it. So that's a really good point. Hopefully, you don't have to ask all eight of these. Many of them have been covered on the front end. but Yes, gives you a comprehensive list at least to start with. So if you've got questions or if you want to run Scott through this full interview, you can certainly do that. Give him a call and have a conversation and you can ask all these questions and more to him about your financial plan. If you'd like to set up time to meet for a complimentary financial review, you can do that by going online to talkwithscott.net. That's talkwithscott.net. Or give him a call at 888 Seven four two zero one eleven. That's eight 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 seven four two zero one eleven. Check the description of today's show, and you can find that contact info there. All right, it's time to get to know Scott a little bit better with this week's question. It's getting to know you time. All right, we're getting wacky on today's question for you, Scott. If you could time travel, when and where would you go? Ooh, this is a good one. That's a good one. I, there, you know, I love history, so I probably have a couple different ones. But if I were to think about it, I would like to, you know, me being born in the early seventies, I uh, never experienced the fifties. I think the fifties would be neat. I would, I would want to say I want to go back to the wild, wild west or you know, medieval times. That would be cool. But you know that that's kind of getting a little primitive too. I mean, I want to. I don't want to have to eat with my hands. Or, Dent, you know. Dental care's taking a few steps back. Yeah, and- <laughs> yeah. You know, if I get in the fifties, you know, it was a much simpler time. None of these phones. None of this other garbage going on. And you know, I I think I'd just like to you know experience it. Now I would go to the Wild West and medieval times. Those would be my other two. If I could just go there for like a couple hours and come home, like a little Mm. quick vacation kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like that. I think I would, I agree with you. I'd go to something. um, Did you ever watch the uh, Anne of Green Gables? Uh, It was a a book series. I imagine your girls would have read it at some point in time. Maybe. I have not. Maybe. Okay. 
um, Anne of Green Gables. I didn't grow up reading it, but there was a Netflix show uh, called Anne with an E because she had an E at the end of her name. Um, it was mm-hmm. an adaptation of the of the book series. Anyway, okay. we watched that, and it's basically on. Uh, I think they're on Prince Edward Island, so kind of up there north of like Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. and I think it's eight, late eighteen hundreds, something like that. But it's just the simplicity of life of. Everyone in the community is, you know, supporting each other, but it's also very individualistic because you and your family live on your farm and run your farm, and it's just simple time, simple place, and uh, I don't know, just seemed kind of neat uh, to kind of have yeah. that time frame. I-, I could see thriving in that <laughs> in that yeah. setting. I don't know. But. Yeah, I mean, early 1900s would be fun, too. Yeah. You know, the, I'd want to do something tra- very different than what I'm doing now, right? Like, if you're going right. to time travel, go do something different. So. Yeah, that that's true too. But like early 1900s, you're just getting the automobile coming around. That's true. Yeah. Some people are still horse and buggy. You know, there's a big, you know, the start of the industrial revolution kind of thing. You, you know, that that you would know, be I, a neat time too. I know we don't do our movie review segment anymore, but let me uh, let me sneak one in here for you just because you brought that up. Um have you seen Gilded Ages yet? My wife is actually watching it right now. Okay. I have not. I think you'd love it then if if you kind really? of were intrigued by that time period. Oh yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's really good. I like it. And I was never really into the it's kind of in that same vein I guess as like The Crown and uh Downton Abbey. It's got a little bit of that flavor to it, but uh-huh. it's it's a little bit sharper. It's kind of got this sharp edge and the the one of the central characters is a big um, you know, train um titan tycoon mm-hmm. and and it's all in new york city with the elite and but then it also follows the you know the underservants and that kind of thing during that time period but yeah things are changing all around them the brooklyn bridge is being built you know just all sorts of things like that are going on so it's a cool show it's really really well done the okay. intro will have you hooked i love the intro music it's so good okay so all right check check it out and it hits on that time period so all right you know, i will like all right. We, we may have to bring back the movie uh, and TV show review in 2020. Maybe we will one day. Yeah, exactly. We, it's it's taken a long enough break now. We should have been able to compile a few uh, a few suggestions to, to, to yes, get back. Yes, yeah. On. It was getting rough for a while. <laughs> we were having to dig pretty deep when I when I was recommending like uh, soap operas at one point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, General Hospital. Good. Fantastic. That's right. That's right. All right. Coming up next, I'm going to answer one of your questions before we wrap up for the week. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. All right, our question of the week comes to us from Howard. Howard says, I just received a medical diagnosis that will almost certainly shorten my life by several years. Sorry to hear that, Howard. I'm 63, and I plan to wait until 70 to start my Social Security so I could get the largest possible amount. But now I'm thinking I should start it today. (laughs) Do you agree? Well, Howard, first of all, again, I, you know, like Howard said, I'm sorry to hear about your news, but Social Security is, is always a tricky thing. It's, yes, when you look at the math, you can say, okay, I can wait until age 70 to take Social Security. I'm going to get the most amount of money if I live X amount of years, right? We, we you know, there's a break-even point there. And... You know, not knowing a lot about your situation, Howard, we need to make sure we've got cash flow and things like that. But when you have got, if you know your life expectancy is going to be shortened, this is a conversation I have with my clients. And, you know, we say, okay, 
you know, how long have your parents lived? And, you know, if they say, you know, both my parents died of heart attacks in their 40s and my, you know, ticker's out of whack right now, you know, then, you know, that's something where we say, okay, well, maybe we should look at taking it earlier. The other thing to consider, Howard, if you're married and you've got a spouse, those are things you need to take into consideration there also. And, and it's a lot more of a detailed conversation. But yes, if indeed you feel that your life is going to be shortened considerably, then there's probably a point where you're going to want to look at taking that Social Security earlier so that you're able to get the most that you can. You know, 63, you're not full retirement age yet, so you would have a reduced benefit. Is that something, you know, I don't know if you're retired yet or not. So there's a lot of questions. So Howard, I'd love to help you out. You can just, you know, schedule a 15-minute phone call with me. I, I can walk you through your specific situation. Great question, Howard. Thanks for sending that in to us. Sorry for the circumstances of the question, and uh, best of luck to you. But if you want to meet with Scott directly and dive into a little bit more of a one-on-one discussion about this, or if anybody else is dealing with perhaps not similar news, but some other element in your financial life, maybe a recent event has occurred, or uh, you've got something new and exciting on the horizon that might impact your finances, uh, whichever direction that's sort of taking you, it's always good to get an assessment of your current financial plan and make any needed tweaks, changes, or put together a full-blown plan for perhaps the first time ever, if you've never done it before. Uh, The ways to get in touch, very easy. You can call 888-742-0111 or go online to talkwithscott.net and schedule time to meet from your smartphone or computer or in person. Again, talkwithscott.net, your place to go to book that call. And you can find all that contact information in the description of today's show. Well, Scott, thanks for letting us uh, kind of pepper you with some fun questions on the episode today. And we'll talk a little bit about interviewing advisors and for some transparency there. And uh, we'll look forward to another great call with you next month. I always look forward to it, Walter. Yep, much appreciated, my friend. We'll talk to everybody next time. Come back and join us for another episode right back here on the Retirement Toolbox. Go Cavs. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.